0: Welcome back to Two Boys, One Mic. I'm your host, Luca, joined as I'm always by Michelle Seuss. For those of you listening, which is everyone who's listening to this right now, we had like a 10 minutes of our podcast where it just was melting down. So we decided to restart. And here we are, version two of episode 12.
1: I think it's 12 because you said we had to do 10 episodes for season one.
0: Yeah, and when I said... That, that's what
1: NBC signed us. To, yeah,
0: I run a tight ship here, Michelle. You you have a contract. We just re-signed for the listeners. We just re-signed Michelle to another ten episode deal. So yeah, big up with on an that.
1: option for a third season. So let let us know what you think about me on the show.
0: Yeah, we might get re-signed. We, and, uh, we might Luca. have
1: our potential replace brown person replacement for Luca today.
0: Well, the good thing about that is I won't have to redo the imagery all that much.
1: Oh man, change, change the hairstyle. He doesn't have a beard though.
0: That's true. That's a good point. Um, so Michelle just teased it. We do have a guest coming on um, for us. This uh, as a stan- or newbies to stand up kind of podcast. Great guest, I'd say. Someone who's really ingrained in the newbie comedy scene. I'm doing all the intro like he's already here, but I- I'm excited, Michelle. I'm excited to have him on. Great guy. I, I was uh, with him last Tuesday. I Have a lot to talk about with him. I know you had some things to talk about too. How you feeling about our guest?
1: I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm glad we're going to surpass the affirmative action quota for this podcast.
0: And here we have Mr. Sushil Ganesh joining now. Sushil, let us know when you can hear us.
2: Yeah, I'm still figuring out like some... uh... Fixing my mic.
0: Of course, that is a serious mic you have there. I like it. Thank you.
1: Serious paintings behind you too.
2: Oh yeah, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) The background is great. I I feel like I have to put up a poster or something just to... (laughs) It's just a pick up from I out. think
1: you're a step ahead
0: of me, though. You know, I usually have like the, the nicer background and now I'm, now Sushil has the nicest background. Usurped. I've been usurped of my background throne. For yeah.
2: st- some reason, I can't get my uh, AirPods. Yeah, my uh, AirPods to connect. And I'm still looking for them.
0: That's OK. Take, your, take your time. Do you, you do you hear us or no?
2: I do hear you. OK. Yeah. Um,
0: that's fine. Take your time get it to connect. Uh, we were just talking about how we we're going to have a guest today. And we're very excited to have him. Uh, Sushil, who is the the king of Main Street comedy. Is that, a, is that an okay thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I
2: guess, yeah. I would say so. I mean, not... Prince. I don't know. King is like a very strong...
0: <laughs> Maybe Prince. Cool. Prince. The Prince. But thanks for joining us, Sushil. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, same. And uh, it's a pleasure because um, I kind of uh, feel like it's good to meet like new people in the in the Montreal comedy scene. Of course. And uh, it's a pleasure that you both have done like the the uh, the show. And and you know, uh, I get to kind of uh, meet a lot of new comedians and uh, express myself and watch them express themselves. So it's always a, it's a fun kind of uh, experiment
0: hundred percent. I just want to start off by thanking you because you found my bag that I left with my uh, notebook. Uh, Michelle, I don't think I told you this story. <laughs> you
1: didn't tell me this story.
0: So just quickly. So uh, last Tuesday we were um, doing doing that gig, and I left my school bag there with my. I have half the half the book is like studying for finance stuff, and half the book is comedy. So I don't know how Sushil saw my friends after. But my friends were just happening to be in a park, in the parking lot and we saw them, he's like, Do you guys recognize this book? And I got the book back. So just want to start <laughs> off with a little thank you for that.
2: 100%. And uh, I understand I've lost my comedy book in the past so, and it's a pain in the ass, to be honest. Oh, wait, can we curse on this? Is it like...
0: Of course, yeah, curse away, curse away. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah our, our actually, our last episode was called The Explicit Episode because we curse like every second word. So <laughs> cursing is fine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Luca dropped
1: a couple racial slurs, too.
0: Of course not, Michelle. He's lying. (laughs) He likes to to joke about these things because I'm very sensitive (laughs) to make sure that I don't or that we don't go too explicit. Uh, So then he jokes a lot
2: about that. But, uh, Luca, you might have learned that South Asians are very inappropriate and as racist as racists come.
0: And it scares me, Sushil, because I have to bleep things on the podcast and I'm worried and it gets me worried.
2: No, no, I I, I will be... uh... No, i'll I'm be nice
0: oh, i appreciate that i appreciate that uh, a,
1: a part of our audience said that
2: uh their favorite
1: part is me making luca uncomfortable no because
0: <laughs> i because i do get uncomfortable i do now
2: now it's like a tag team i guess <laughs>
0: i know I, yeah. that's what i said i might just uh take a night off and have you guys talk <laughs> against oh, with each other
1: i was trying to figure out how to play the rocks theme music before you entered but apparently it wasn't working or luca was lying to me oh, oh
0: no so, uh, Michelle's really into WWE, so when he found out that...
1: Really? Not really. I well, used I, to be. Michelle, how
0: many... I, I enjoy the nostalgia of it. How many clips do you send me a week of WWE? That's just because I know it bothers you. He's ruined my algorithm. My algorithm is now WWE videos. But awesome. you you were talking about it last time. That's true. I'm obsessed with WWE now. And yeah. so is, so is Sushio.
2: For sure. Like, uh, I actually tried to suppress it. I had shame about it. Like, I don't need to kind of reconnect with this trashy side of me. Is how I used to feel. And then like on a day after my birthday, I saw that Elimination Chamber is happening in Montreal. Oh, wow. And uh, when I told my sister, I'm going to Elimination Chamber. She said that, oh, that's what I call my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, she's funny as well. In my family, I think, I don't know if it's because of the dysfunction or what, but everyone is like super funny in the family. Does anyone Uh,
0: else do some sort of art? Is any of their funniness uh, come out through art kind of like yourself or not? Uh,
2: Not really. I mean, uh, so my dad, he used to be a flight attendant. And uh, so he used to do the announcements on the flight and uh, the passengers used to find him funny. They would say Uh that your announcements are Mm -hmm. super entertaining. My mom has like ready wit because I think Indian uh, women deal with a lot of shit when they have to kind of uh, deal with like in-laws and everything. Right. So she always had like a ready wit to kind of just like counteract whatever they say. Uh, My sister is also like um, a very funny person, but her art is more like singing. Okay. She is trained in uh, Carnatic music. Oh, wow. So like uh, she's been doing that for several years and she kind of uh, does it still every Sunday. I think she has class with like an instructor uh, online. And uh, yeah, I told her you should do comedy and maybe we should do a sibling podcast, but she's just so cool. Yeah. I was
1: gonna yeah I was gonna ask though like right before the podcast we were talking about what we would maybe talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think you know like I'm I'm from a Sri Lankan background so I I think maybe we had like similar upbringing where it's very much um, you have to have a profession that's like quote-unquote like respectable to talk about with like outsiders in the community and stuff yeah not not so much like not that being a comedian isn't respectable, but in that community, it's very much be a doctor, be a lawyer, be an engineer, kind of thing.
2: For sure, and and a joke I said recently was uh, that you know when you're an Indian, you have four choices, yeah. or you're in a South Asian. My cat is trying to step on the. <laughs> I'll
0: get her on. That might increase the viewership. You know, like... Hey,
2: this is Chungi. She is from, from India. America? Yeah, Hello. and welcome. yeah,
0: welcome to Canada, Chungi.
2: Exactly. So when you're Indian, you have four four parts. One is like uh, it's like lawyer, doctor, engineer, yeah. failure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm the failure of the family pretty much. Okay, um, so
1: I did want to ask because like I'm, me personally, I don't really tell my family like that I do comedy and stuff because I don't want that kind of like pushback at this at this time in my life. But uh <laughs>
0: Uh, Sushilla
1: like, is having a WWE match with this cat yeah, right my now.
0: cat just jumped off of the top <laughs> rope. And my cat is like kind of
2: you know, if I don't give her attention or something, then she kind of gets irritated and starts uh you know attacking me. It's okay. Yeah. We're
0: feline friendly podcast to be honest. We love cats. But... We actually had a whole conversation how I like cats. Michelle thinks people who like cats are liars, so this <laughs> is actually great to have Sushi along. Can you Yeah,
1: is actually a, a bit I'm working on for my next show with you, Sushil.
2: That. I'm not yeah. going to spoil it right now. No, hundred percent. So I was I was thinking of having you both on on May second, oh, so that cool. like you know, um, it would be nice because both of you can. I, I feel like, uh, Michelle did like less than five minutes. He did four and a half to five <laughs> minutes. We cut it seven and a half. So between the two, years, you, you did twelve minutes between the two of you <laughs> in two weeks.
0: <laughs> we were just saying that it's crazy. So like to, combined, we're net neutral. You know, <laughs> we we both and it's funny because so me and Michelle have done the comedy nest together yeah and, and he always always like goes the, over he always, he always i always get the flashing light, and i'm always under so i think we were kind of worried like okay let's make sure that we and we both just went too much in the opposite direction yeah so we're, yeah we're just gonna
2: tweak it and i get it because like last time i was at Camel comedy nest i felt like there was some you know um ad lib moments which i had in the set which added like 10-15 seconds to it exactly and then I couldn't finish it, and I saw that at five yeah. minutes. Although I was having a great set there, I was yeah. didn't finish my jokes. And yeah. Um, yeah, ever that's since that's I've not always... been on, uh, but I didn't burn the light by too much. Let's okay. see.
0: Uh, not like me where I, <laughs> I had the the light coming. I I was really riding that light. I,
2: I it's okay, man. Like because uh, I mean it happens. Even I'm figuring out the format as it goes right. because I feel fourteen comics doing six minutes is it's too much. It's a lot. Yeah, and to be honest, like. Uh, I like creating a platform for other people but it was also kind of a selfish uh, endeavor not selfish but I'll say self-full because of course I've noticed that uh, I'm not like getting as many uh, bookings as I like so I thought that instead of waiting around Mm. uh, waiting for bookings or you know people to contact me I would be like I'll start my own show in the meanwhile Ah. get better at my craft
0: yeah I wanted to actually ask that like so like how long have you been in the comedy scene and at what point this is relatively new. This endeavor of having your own show. At yep. what point and what went into you get like establishing this night? Like, what was the, what was the uh, what was the work that you put into to do it, or was it
2: just like? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing comedy for an embarrassingly long time to be not anywhere. Fair enough. We like, won't so... ask
0: how long if it's. Uh...
2: No, no. So it's like the first time I did comedy. It's true. I tell a joke saying that the first time I did comedy, there were nine hundred people in the audience. Oh wow. I'm from India. It was a family picnic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good.
2: <laughs> but it was uh, it was second year college and a college was having silver jubilee, uh, celebrating 25 years of, uh, you know, engineering college and you know, whatever. Right. And uh, they had like a big celebration and uh, the student band was uh, playing and, you know, a lot of uh, interesting dance performances, uh, very multicultural performances. Right. And they needed someone to um, be in front of the curtain when the band was setting up. Okay. But so The band needed 10 minutes to set up. And they needed someone. So um, I kind of wrote some jokes and I told my friend, do you want to do like a kind of like a sketch or something like that? Right. Because it was the first time I was doing comedy. So I was too nervous to go up on stage by myself.
0: Especially in front of 900 people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. And uh, exactly. So then uh, we started doing like these as seen on TV commercials, but like in India, right? They dubbed them into Hindi and the regional languages. No way. So it's like it's like white people kind of selling like all these scam products, like you know, like a belt right. that you put on and it'll jiggle your fat away and stuff so like you, that. I just have
0: to say I love those infomercials and I always buy those products. Lucas <laughs> that, <that's>... exactly. <laughs> Lucas wearing that belt right now. now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it went pretty well. And then like we did that same bit like second time. It ate shit. And <laughs> Yeah, so gradually, uh, like through engineering, I used to do MC a lot of uh, college festivals. And like, you know, I would do all the fashion shows, the dance shows and MC at them. And uh, it was it was fun. And then I thought that maybe after college, I'll do some comedy. Mm -hmm. And then I did one open mic, which was terrible. And it's the weird. problem was that, like you know, when you have fixed mindset, if you do like poorly one time or like your first uh, in like you know experience is so brutal, yeah, you kind of tell yourself that you're not good enough, and then you just give up or something like that. So right. I just like then I felt like life got in the way. I was working um, in a job which I didn't really like, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think my history has been like I've always like gravitated towards comedy whenever I hated my job. Okay yeah it was kind of like it's
0: a creative outlet that you could have taken when the current situation that you were doing wasn't exactly pleasing you yeah
2: so i didn't open mic in 2011 and i was doing jokes about terrorists and it was funny that i was bombing while i was talking about terrorist bombing right. <laughs> that's good yeah it was very meta yeah, and then heard- uh, then in 2014 i decided that like i need to kind of really if i want to do comedy full time in my life at some point I have to really get like a crazy-ass job which pays me like six figures or, you know, right. like just helps me accumulate like a decent amount of wealth in the next, in whatever amount of years. Yeah, And then after I have a certain amount saved, I will jump into it full-time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to the US, got my master's, worked for Microsoft oh, for wow. almost five years. Uh, and I did comedy in Seattle for about a year, year and a half. And I was getting good shows over there, which is why it's kind of frustrating yeah. but I understand because nobody knows me so in, in in Seattle there used to be a casino and the booker really liked my Clint Eastwood impression oh. and uh, so he would book me uh, like to do 10 minutes before touring headliners and, and people like of significance in the comedy scene that's great so, yeah but then you know um, before the pandemic in 2019 uh, or you know just gradually things were pretty rough at work I was uh, quite depressed in my job and, uh, you know, going through the worst time in my life, mental health wise. And uh, I decided that I'm going to quit my job without a plan. Right. I'll figure out what I have to do. Entrepreneurship, comedy, art, do whatever it takes. But I'm not going to work for anyone in my life anymore.
0: Okay, that was a decision you made. You're not you didn't want to have a boss anymore. You didn't want to work for a company. You said you're exactly. Gonna- okay, interesting. This is all in Seattle.
2: This was in Seattle. Yes. Okay. And, uh, I was engaged at the time. Um, yeah, it wasn't an arranged marriage or anything, but, like, uh, yeah. So I asked my fiance if she wanted to move to Canada and she didn't want to, wow. and I had a permanent residency. And, uh, the thing was that like I asked her that like, you know, if I quit Microsoft, I'm super depressed. I don't know how long I can go on this job. I have to quit, but if I quit the company, I have only 60 days to, uh, you know, get another job or leave the country. Wow. So she wasn't ready to like even tie the knot on paper or something or, you know, it's just um, didn't work out. And yeah, I went back to India and then moved to Canada. So it's a weird kind of journey.
0: How long did you go back to India for before coming to Canada? A year and a half. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 2020 was like a horrendous, horrendous year for me. Like it's 2020, the,
0: start of the pandemic, all that.
2: Yeah, it's like I started. It was before the pandemic. I was already like kind of doing like a pandemic pre-show of my own.
0: Yeah. Okay. You were having you are having the yeah. uh, the preface to the pandemic by yourself. Exactly.
2: Uh, I'm glad I, I had a company like Microsoft, which had short-term disability for depression. Good. And uh, you know, like mental health was very important to them. That's important. So I took some time off. And that's when I realized that no amount of time off from work is going to help me get through this depression. It's, right. it's a different kind of calling. Mm-hmm. So fiance and I broke up, moved back to India into my parents' one bedroom apartment, wow. the home that I grew up in. And uh, then I moved out. Then I got run over by a car. Yeah,
0: you were saying just briefly at, when, at the sh- last show Tuesday. Yeah. You it's skim- still kind
2: of it's still kind of raw. I'm still not able to make yes. it funny. I'm still working yeah. through that story. It's a gripping story, but like I still have to add the punches. I still have to add, add all the, you know. I think the-
0: because it's so raw, the audience kind of recognizes that it's still like very emotional to you. So we don't like you don't know whether or not you want to commit to laughing to it because I I cuz I it was good. Like I did enjoy that bit, but it did seem like it came from a very emotive place and maybe you weren't detached yet from the emotion.
2: I think so. And also, it's, uh, you know, a, a certain comedian. I don't know if you've heard of the Kickback. Uh,
0: yeah, Kickback. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comedy. Uh, show. Sure, yeah, you can oh, yeah. go to.
2: So if you say you're a comedian and just speak with Ava, you can just watch it for free. So okay. uh, one of the privileges of being a comedian is that you can just go to any show and, you know, watch the show. Right. You should like really cash in on that because that's where how you meet. Like, so the- I
0: didn't know this was a thing, and one of my friends performed at the communist and I went and I was going to pay, and they're like, "Well, no, we've seen you perform. You're good. Just go in." I'm like, "You sure? I'll just pay." They're like, "No, no." So it is cool. They have there's like a a community and an understanding. Yeah. Uh, so that is cool. Yeah. Exactly. Embarrassing
1: if they don't recognize you though. They're, yeah. Imagine six dollars. They, <laughs> they charge you more. <laughs> that's
2: true. Uh, So anyway, so she mentioned that, you know, I was just talking in conversation. I said that this is my experience. And then like, you should be writing jokes about that. Mm -hmm. And then I think I I applied pressure on myself saying that I have to write jokes about it, you know, right? instead of like, I want to write jokes about it. I want to feel it out, see how it goes and, you know, do my own process about writing comedy. I felt like, oh, this is a gripping story. I have to do comedy with this. And that's probably why it came out so raw last time.
0: Do you think for you it's like even cathartic writing it about it? You're getting it off on paper. It's like you're you're making art into something that was tragic. Does that help you even process the situation? Maybe.
2: Hundred percent. I feel like comedy is cathartic. Comedy is uh, is a great way of like diffusing emotions. A great right. way of like using emotions to create art. Right. Uh, yeah. In fact, most of my art is is coming from emotion. Like this one is uh, actually fear yeah uh, it's a self portrait and um, i i moving to montreal with no job uh, just my savings yeah. planning to go for it full time there's a lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety and of uh, yeah so i'm trying to get through that
0: of course so you did mention so you when you went back to india then you came to canada and you did mm-hmm. find that maybe in montreal the scene was a bit slower than it was in seattle in terms of comedy
2: kind of not exactly slow Mm. Um, it's like starting over again in a new city yeah. and when I moved to Canada I was living with family I was staying at my sister's place in Ajax okay. and I just felt like this isn't conducive to comedy because it was like a 45 minute drive away from Toronto right. and uh, <clears throat> I wasn't really actually going to any comedy clubs meeting people or doing anything right. because of that and I thought that uh, I want to move to the city Mm-hmm. but then i started seeing the rent in toronto it's like 1800 for like a studio or 2000 for a studio
0: yeah you would have to paint a whole new painting of fear if you would have to pay <laughs> that rent
2: exactly it'll be fear anxiety <laughs> addiction everything they would be like exactly. yeah, my wall would be full with like you know yeah, emotions wow. uh, and then i thought that oh wow i'm paying this much for a studio in toronto i can get like a two bedroom for less in montreal exactly yeah. so i decided yeah i'll go to Montreal. I,
0: And you've been here how long now? Since August. Okay. Really not that long. No. August. So not even a year, like not even like seven months.
2: Exactly. And I started comedy in Montreal in November. Okay. Yeah. I didn't go for it like immediately. Uh, I mean, I was. Uh, I was in the hospital for a bit again. It's like my health has been just been up and down.
0: Was this because um, of the accident or because I didn't? Yeah, quite... because
2: of the. It's like uh, due to the accident, there were some side effects. Like um, apparently, like my gut was kind of intertwined or something, or oh, you know, wow. like so they had to like operate again. Oh, and that's uh, two surgeries in less than two years, and uh, yeah.
0: And was the accident in Montreal?
2: No, it wasn't. Mo- it was in Goa.
0: In Co- I don't know Bo- if
2: Michelle knows Goa or. Uh...
0: Oh, you just got up, but uh, where's Koa? It's in. It's in. Uh, yeah,
2: so I I'm from Mumbai. My parents yes. live in Mumbai. Yeah, my my mom lives in Mumbai. My dad passed away. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. So um, I moved out of like uh, Mumbai because I wanted to like again live by myself. Right. Kind of. Uh, I think for me, uh, for my creativity, uh, living alone is very conducive for that.
0: Okay, for creativity. It allows exactly. You to... Okay. Okay. Makes
2: sense. So I went to Goa and then like, uh, I was doing the uh, artist's way. Okay. It's a book by uh, Julia Cameron.
0: Oh, never heard of it.
2: Yeah. It's a great book because it's uh, it's like an artist recovery program, like uh, 12 weeks, uh, where you do some activities. And uh, so I'm actually doing my second uh, run of it. Uh, okay. You've already
0: completed one full run.
2: Exactly. Okay. Uh, I mean, midway through my first run, I got run over. And then the uh, the funny part.
0: That'll usually stop things for a little bit, you know? Exactly.
2: But I I finished it. Even from the hospital bed, I was doing the tasks and everything. And uh, so the book says in week six, your life is going to change. Everything is going to like, you know. Boy, were they right. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Boy, were they right. (laughs) And I was like, okay, something good is going to happen. And uh, the the thing is that every week uh, when you're doing the book, you have to take yourself on a date. Oh, nice. It's called an artist's date. Okay. So you can go to the beach, right on the beach, or you can go to a museum, you can cook, you can dance, do a whatever you setting want.
0: setting that might be conducive to creativity type thing.
2: Exactly. So the idea is that when you create, you're borrowing from your well of creativity. Right. Yeah. So cool. if if you keep kind of taking from that well, then it's going to run dry after some time. You have to fill it up. You have to fill it up with like uh, creative new experiences. Experience. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Strip club. Strip club. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. This helps.
2: But the creep part is you have to go alone. So I was going to the beach and uh what happened was the, the person in front of me brake the car suddenly and I didn't have enough room to like halt my scooter. Sorry to and... pause you,
0: but were you you were going to the beach on this like date that you were taking yourself on cut from the yeah. book? Oh wow. Yes. Okay, sorry, go on. Man,
2: that's
1: like the butterfly effect, man. I'm telling that you, that's
2: great. <laughs> the story is crazy. Yeah. And uh, so I was going to the beach and I was this person, I was going at 40 kilometers per hour and the person was in front of me was also going. And I'm a very reckless driver. Okay. In India, everyone is. Yeah. So I was like really ha- on his ass. And uh, then he braked and I had to swerve to avoid him. So I kind of lost control and fell on the other side of the road. And there was a car coming like oh. at roughly 40 kilometers per hour and just kind of hit me. And I just was facing it. Like,
0: you know. oh God, this is like a final yeah. destination. This is, like, that's what I was envisioning. You know, the car gets hit, another car is coming. Yeah, a wild I was
1: envisioning Grand Theft Auto, and then the wasted. Yeah, uh, I know, you know. The Grand Theft Auto of... usually,
2: Grand <laughs> Theft Auto, when you run over a person, then you reverse and run over them again to make sure that they're dead, <laughs> yeah. and then steal their money. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But that didn't, that didn't happen in this. Then scenario. you just
1: respawn at the hospital, and you're fine.
2: Yeah, but
1: well, you lose exactly. all
0: your guns and money and ammo. So.
2: Yeah. That? So uh, the funny thing was, I, I kind of got up. I thought I was dead. First of all, like I was, I then I didn't really see the impact or anything. I closed my eyes. And then I felt like I was tumbling and like, you know, rolled a few times. Right. And then um, just got up screaming, you know, Ah, it's like, I don't know. It's like
0: so shocked. But you were able to stand up.
2: Uh, Barely. Like I was able to stand up. I think my torso and my upper body took most of the impact.
0: Okay. Wow. So So,
2: I was able to stand up, but I couldn't breathe properly because I think uh, my spleen was ruptured. And, uh, you know, my abdominal uh, region, like, uh, although I broke 12 ribs. My lungs weren't punctured, right. but it was still pressing up against, and I couldn't breathe at the time. Strong so lungs. So I called an ambulance, and the ambulance would take forty five minutes to arrive.
1: Wait, your phone was fine though. Uh, Sorry, I know it's not an it. important detail. No, so don't the don't phone was fine.
2: Know. Yeah, the phone was fine, but like someone else called the ambulance for me. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that the ambulance was going to take forty five minutes to arrive. So I kind of got in a rickshaw and I went to the first hospital in a rickshaw.
0: Oh, that's the last place you want to be with a ruptured speed. (laughs) Exactly.
2: It is an auto rickshaw, not the the one handheld one. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank God. But So this guy was really nice and he drove as well as he could. But there are so many potholes in India. So I felt every bump. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I don't know. He asked me to pay him a hundred rupees or something. I just gave him 500 rupees, said like, thank you for saving my life. Wow. Yeah, and he was not even willing to take it, you know. I was yeah, like, no, yeah. no, it's okay. Take it. You're like, I don't have
0: time to argue. Take this. <laughs> exactly. I got to run into this hospital. Yeah.
2: My and goodness. then I was in the waiting room in the first hospital. Okay, there's no emergency. There's no casualty. Just walk in, do scans right. or something. Right. Other people with cuts and bruises are getting attended to because they're there first. And yeah. I'm like, unable to breathe. And I'm like, it's like, I'm just like making involuntary sounds because of the adrenaline and everything. Yeah, of course. And uh, then I kept like saying that I need to go, I need to be scanned, I need to be scanned. They took x-rays and they saw that I have like broken 12 ribs, both shoulders, uh, clavicle. And then they said, oh, our orthopedic surgeon comes in on Thursdays. So come back on Thursday.
0: Oh, wow. yeah. Like, okay. Look, I'll, you went back to the beach. You're like, I'll take myself out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's a great place to die.
0: Oh, God. That's uh, horrible. My, my, my friend sorry, said I'll, that. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: My friend uh, came and picked me up. He took me to the second hospital, which had a CT and other like better technology. And they had like doctors on site. Okay. And uh, they were also willing to send me home after a few scans. Jesus. There was so much time. I think it was like about eight hours or nine hours since the accident. I was still in the second hospital. Yeah. And when I was... um, about to leave, right? I just went to the the bathroom or something and I saw that I was like peed a lot of blood and stuff and then I told them like, I'm like, just just not, I'm not not okay. So then they kind of admitted me and they monitored me overnight. And uh, the twist of fate was that like this hospital doesn't have a blood bank. Oh God.
0: So they said, oh yeah, you need some blood. blood."
2: Yeah. You have to go to a third hospital and (laughs) that one is a government hospital which has a blood bank and everything. And my parents were, like, still in Mumbai. I didn't have too much, like, with any family there and, like, you know support. And the next day, a nurse and the driver took me to the next hospital. And my parents flew in from Mumbai, and they met me there. Oh, my God. And uh, there were, like, hundreds of people in the casualty room. And somehow, my mom found a surgeon, and she showed him my chart. And he saw that, oh, this person's spleen is ruptured. We have to prep him for surgery immediately. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so this happened on Halloween, twenty wow. twenty. The worst! I hate Halloween.
0: For real damn. Yeah. yeah, of course. But so your parents flew in from Mumbai. But the the time between them flying into Mumbai and you just chilling with a ruptured spleen, like what were you doing in that time? Were you so I was flying?
2: overnight in a hospital. Like okay. they couldn't come immediately. Uh, they uh, took the first flight the next day. Okay. Uh, overnight I spent in the hospital under observation, and then when they transported me to the next hospital they were already there and uh, the next hospital like you problem with government hospitals is right is like they are really old and like uh, beaten down and stuff like that but they have the best doctors okay it's ironic that like your aftercare might be shitty yeah but you live because you have good doctors
0: i think it's a it's a fair trade off i would rather have a good doctor in a bad room than a good room with bad doctors
2: exactly yeah So they operated, they told my parents, like, we can't guarantee anything. It's touch and go, you know. He might live, he might not live, we don't know. And yeah, so I needed like three pints of blood. And I I, somehow this operation was a success. Before going under, I looked at the the doctor, smiled and I said, good luck. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But as I was going under, I was like, okay, fine. If I die, I die. I don't have to take write any more material for my life so there it's good go.
0: what could you do though like at that point it's no longer in your hands you have to trust that you're in good hands and
2: pray. exactly yeah. and um by some divine miracle i was saved and uh and even after the the operation there was another near-death experience or you know like a close call um sure. yeah i was in the icu uh, and recovering uh still groggy from the anesthetics right and uh, at that time, what happened was the, in India, I don't know why they do this, but they had tied me to the bed. So I don't move or something like that,
0: like with those buckles at the chest and everything,
2: something like that. I, okay. I don't know exactly how I was tied because I was still under, but I, right. I knew I couldn't move. And uh, suddenly the the tube I was breathing through, right, it just fell off, you know, cool. it just came off like my mouth and it just fell, fell off. And uh, then I was noticing I can't breathe anymore. And no one was coming to attach it. And I couldn't speak because still like groggy. Right. Couldn't move or, you know, shout or do anything. So I was like, oh, okay. For the second time in 24 hours, I thought like, okay, this is it. So and you, then so I,
0: you weren't able to breathe and you had no way of communicating that you couldn't breathe? No.
2: Basically. So only my head was free to move. So I started like shaking my head from side to side. Okay. And like crazy, you know, like just... Shaking it, shaking it. And it was like, suddenly someone saw me like acting like a crazy person. They saw that, oh, my tube is disconnected. And uh, I think a nurse came and connected the tube. But I was so groggy and she was in white. It looked like an angel was coming to save (laughs) my life.
0: Well, kind of was an angel. Yeah. My God. Shit. So then, okay. So then you finally, the operation's okay. You survived this second mishap. Mm -hmm. You're still uh, in India. And then- My parents
2: are are here in Goa now and then, um, yeah, I was recovering and uh, like a month when I, while I was recovering, my dad passed away very suddenly, like, you know, he was having health issues, but he, I didn't expect that he would just, you know. sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, you know, the fucked up thing about Hinduism is that like, uh, it's not fucked up, but like it's, it's, it's it is something that uh, the, the son has to cremate the parents or the first son, right?
0: I'm not familiar with
2: that. Yeah. So there's like a ritual saying that like, um, I think there's a belief that you have to be uh, cremated by a son or something, or your soul won't be at peace or some sexist patriarchal thing. Uh, I just felt like any woman can come and like do this for me if you want, because I'm still like 12 broken ribs, both shoulders and everything. And, and um, you know, it was, it was quite something, but like, Losing your dad was hard, but I'm glad it didn't happen during like the Delta variant because there were so many people who didn't even get to say goodbye to their family.
0: So this was in like 2019 then or? 2020? This was
2: uh, 2020, uh, December he passed away. Okay, okay, okay. But the Delta variant hit India in like March and April.
0: Okay, and that and that was when, when running the hospitals, the funeral homes and all that. Exactly.
2: When, when you saw those mass cremations, mass graves and like, you know, yeah. people couldn't even say goodbye to their families. Yeah, that was terrible. That was, yeah, it was very rough, and uh, somehow, like, uh, I stayed with mom after that happened, mm-hmm. and I was helping her become independent because, um, in India, uh, like, the uh, the system has changed so fast. Everything is online now, okay. without really factoring in the uneducated people, without factoring the aging population, without factoring in people who are not good with technology. Mm-hmm. We just digitized everything, and then. Uh, It was. It's pretty hard to kind of Of get used to it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a big subgroup of the population. Like even here, there were times during COVID where we tried to make like COVID check-ins through the phone, and then like 30% of the population being either old or just uh, technologically illiterate to to a point they were not able to to do it. So like we kind of had to abandon that. So it is rough when they when you do that. exactly. Yeah,
2: especially with traveling, like when you're traveling, traveling. you have to fill out like a seven-page form or something on a website. Uh, When you're going to India or something or like there used to be this thing. And then like people who are like, you know, older, like uh, my mom's and dad's generation, they're really struggling with that. Of course. So I made sure that mom can do online banking and the basic stuff, like paying her bills and stuff. Right. And I didn't want to lose out on my permanent residency in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rule is that if you have a permanent residency, you have to live here for two years out of five years. Okay. Otherwise you lose it. You lose it. You have to reapply, go through the whole system again. Exactly. And now it's become very difficult to get it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So then, so then at that point, you take care of mom a bit, you make sure she's good. You come here, and now you've been here since you said last August.
2: So I, I've been in Canada since uh, 2021, November
0: 21, Toronto. Yeah. That's when you went back to India, then came here in August.
2: Yeah. No, no. I, um, no, so... I would fail the Sushil
0: exam. If no, any, no, no, i to tell you I'm fail it. 2020
2: July is when I moved to India. Right. Uh, yeah, and then I was in India till 2021 November. Mm-hmm. And then in November 2021, I moved to Ajax, Ontario, right, uh, right. stayed with my family, and then uh, August is Montreal. Oh, okay.
0: So what a, honestly, what a story. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's really, like, yeah. it's inspiring too, to see like you went through like a really, really hardship moment in your life and the bounce back like you like me and Michelle have both met you. You're so positive in person. And yeah. um it does seem like if anything, the impact maybe like made you give you or enjoy de vie. Like
1: uh like, I'm never gonna complain about Montreal hospitals again. Yeah, same, same. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> same, same. Uh for sure. And uh like yeah and the thing is that like when I was faced with with uh death in that moment. And uh, I've had like passive suicidal ideation, which I've not acted on, like, you know, images of me not being alive, flashing and like, you know, very much so was my reality in 2019. And when I actually faced death or like when I faced that uh, not being able to breathe and I might just die in this situation, I realized this is when I want to live the most.
0: Wow. It's deep. Yeah. I and, guess when you're faced with the reality of it, that's when you when you're that close to it, it kind of brings a new light to it, maybe.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm like super happy now, like you know, those toxic know. positivity, rainbows flying out of your asshole kind of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, there's like I'm still not as negative as I used to be.
0: Fair enough, and yeah. yeah, and like like I said, we see you. You're positive, but that doesn't always mean that someone who looks positive in person is positive behind closed doors. But it just yeah. it, it does seem like you you take things in in a good way. Like you're like you're right. So just just to tie it all in now, you're now running a a show um, at the Lord Williams pub and and it does, there's a lot of moving parts. So I am curious after all that, how did you, how did you get started with that? How did you get the motivation or how did you decide you wanted to do that?
2: So I'd not done comedy in three years. Okay. Since 2019 November, the last show I did was called uh, it was a Bollywood music, uh, event and I was emceeing and they nice. needed someone like I was there throughout the show I must have done like uh 25 to 30 minutes of comedy throughout the show that's a lot yeah yeah and it was most of it some of it was ad lib some of it was just commenting on performances interviewing musicians blah 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 and uh, I had actually uh, I had been a nervous wreck leading up to that show because I have I had such a strong inner critic. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna eat shit. I've never done 20 minutes. People wow. are gonna hate it. Why am I doing this? Blah blah blah. And then I it went really well. And then I didn't do comedy again uh, because of depression for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2021 February, for my 33rd birthday, I went to Brazil. Oh, nice! For an ayahuasca retreat. Oh, sick! Yeah. And it was amazing. Uh, My friend actually uh, is a facilitator at the retreat. Like a shaman. Kind of. Yeah. Sick. So uh, the, the owner has like 40 plus years of uh, psychotherapy experience was initiated by a shaman in the Amazon rainforest. And she teaches methods to people to release trauma, to let go of programming and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And uh, during my second or third ceremony, I saw myself doing stand-up comedy in a city, kind of like Montreal. I don't know exactly if it was Montreal, but I saw a vision of myself doing stand-up comedy. No way. And I was like, okay, this is definitely a sign or I'm going unconsciously. There's this long yearning for me to do comedy. Right. uh, I'm going to like shape my life in such a way that I can do as much comedy as I can. That's so cool. Yeah.
0: So that was the motivation to then when you came back from that. And also, very, I'm sure we could have a whole podcast just on your ayahuasca, um, <laughs> yeah. ayahuasca time. But So then when you came back, you had like, so you kind of un- not unlocked something, but tapped into something that you know that this is maybe your calling, maybe what brings you joy. Yeah. And you came back and tried to do it a bunch of times. But as me and Michelle know, because me and Michelle are both re- relatively new in the scene, I think, October. You both are very
2: good. Like You both have a very good stage presence, I would say. And uh, definitely you. keep going. Yeah. Um. There will be lulls, and there'll be like phases. You have question yourself, but of course, ultimately, like the idea is to just make that thick skin and keep going.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think like well, so what we're doing with this podcast too is kind of um documenting our journey as like from the first show until wherever this brings us. And like you said, there there are ebbs and flows as it as it goes. Like it's really exciting at the beginning. Then sometimes it's a bit calmer. Then you do get then you find new places so i do find there's different plateaus that you reach right like now we're very much exploring new places and so i kind of from from like that's what we're saying what, like when we're motivated to do a new place and you know it, it doesn't come every week not not necessarily every week you'll you'll have a spot when you do you're appreciative of it so i'm wondering is that kind was that kind of your motivation to do your own um night basically so that you could have some consistency a bit
2: uh, yeah, because uh, I wanted at least a week, weekly show, do. at yeah. least every week I want to do one show. That is my contract. Mm-hmm. And I was noticing uh, that I was going to the show up go ups and I don't like the energy there, like, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, I mean, people might say that, oh, I'm being too pricey. I'm being too much of a diva or something like that. But it's just that I show up at like 830 or 8 yeah. o'clock when the sign up happens. Yeah, and uh, you know I come like on time. I respect the venue. I do that, and then I notice that they are putting me up at twelve o'clock, or like you know the next day. (laughs) Oh wow! The the, the mic starts on Sunday, and I go up on Monday. Oh Jesus! Happened a couple of times, and I'm like, um, I was like, I instead of being a victim and saying that like you know, oh my life, uh, I have done comedy in Seattle. How dare they? They don't know my experience. I was like, okay. This is what it is. I'll create my own show. I'll create my own experience.
0: Yeah, I think it's yeah. so, it's really cool that you did that. And especially like amongst, I remember when Michelle first told me about it because he's on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, but I do think I should get back on because it seems like that's, <laughs> that's where all the cool comedians are. So I might have to get back on there. But when he did, he told me about it. We were always talking about how like it's fun. We, I've done sets at a few places and I like the idea of it, like you go on. But I, I love the idea that you're integrating with the wwe thing but also the fact that you're there's um like not just a prize but a goal right if you win that night then you know there's a little video with you you get the belt and then you come back the next week so it's cool to work towards something because you could go yeah to
2: there's the- a prize as well like for the winner
0: oh okay even that. See, so, yeah. oh yeah you did mention that last time yeah and and not just that it's cool like it makes it. It gives it like um, like if, when you do a set anywhere else, it, you could go super well. But then you leave, and ultimately, you're back to the drawing board trying to find another gig. With this, yeah, it's cool, it's cool because you know there's a competition. You know who won, so there is an active storyline. So I do find it very cool that that's uh, something you're building, and I know you are trying to build some sort of universe, as you said.
2: Yeah, I need mean, like uh, the thing is that I might have to like look at some people who are good with videos and layout, uh, with yeah, sketchwork yeah. and stuff like that, because. I'm noticing that that um, just like doing all the stuff in one place, it's kind of rushed. Yeah. And yeah, if I can, the problem with comedians in Montreal is that the only way you can get them to record if you have them in the room and of like everyone is so busy, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think that is the reason why I do that. But if like there are other comics like you, if you felt like you want to actually do like a promo, yeah. you know, wear like a Lucha <laughs> Libre outfit or actually yeah, do a sketch if you oh, want, yeah.
0: I'll break I'll a chair over Michelle's head if you want. It yeah, be exactly. So if you guys
2: want to do some sketches like that, that'll be yeah. awesome. Because I am looking for people uh, who are creative and, you know, who bring like a certain amount of silly energy to it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's you're like, silly. It's- yeah, 100%. And I think you're very much like, like you said, in the beginning phase. And like, it's just about building uh, a universe of people. And I, th- you're like, you know, it's just it's definitely going to get traction. And right? the idea is so great that I don't see yeah. how it could not work, you know?
2: Yeah, it's like, uh, I had the idea that um, uh, first it was going to be an open mic. Okay. okay. Uh, it evolved like very quickly in like, two three days leading up to the show or like a week leading up to the show it, it evolved really quickly first i approached lord william in a, a pub not lord william <laughs>
0: lord william <laughs> yeah. himself you went to scotland <laughs> visit it is great take some
1: ayahuasca talk to him personally <laughs> like,
0: i met him while i was doing ayahuasca.
2: That's exactly but uh, i i met the uh, manager there uh one day at a meeting and i said that uh, do you have a slow night in the week yeah where you could You know, I'm seeing a bunch of people come to the, um, you know, club would help you out. And they said, yeah, Tuesdays are kind of slow. Okay. And uh, so I I said that, yeah, I'd like to do an open mic. And then after like uh, having a trip, mushroom trip, right. I I just got this idea that maybe I should combine two of my uh, things that I really like because I was spending, I was spending days on Instagram watching wrestling memes. There's
0: a lot of them. As yes. I know, because Michelle is <laughs> sending them to me. I'm yeah, trying like to channels educate
2: like... Luca. Exactly. Have you heard of WrestleMania on, on YouTube?
0: I haven't. I'm sure Michelle has.
2: <laughs> have you, Michelle? I, yeah. This I, guy... I,
1: just, I just watch the reels. I don't really pay attention to, like, the channels that are posting them. They just get recommended and I forward liar. them to he, Luca.
0: He, he's the admin of that page.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I keep going back to the stupid nostalgia of, like, the Attitude Era when the, the promos were, like, really lit. Yeah. You know when um, I felt like uh, I was doing uh, the Comedy Nest uh, Comedy Lab, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't grasp the concept because it was my first comedy lab. Yeah, I thought you were supposed to do like five minutes of uh, you know yeah, jokes on the had, lab.
0: You had said that. That's so funny.
2: So I I went in, uh, went up on stage and did like a Macho Man Randy Savage no <laughs> promo, and then I did like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then like. Uh, the Queen, Winston Churchill, um, Christopher Columbus, and wow.
0: how do you do a Christopher Columbus impression?
2: <laughs> so I realize that Christopher Columbus is not Spanish; he is Italian. Yeah. So I kind of do it a very a bad. Yeah. Are you are you Italian? You are Italian. Half, half. Yeah. Italian. You're gonna appropriate Luca's culture. Oh, I couldn't podcast. care less. I couldn't care yeah. less.
0: <laughs> I couldn't care less.
2: Uh, it's like basically Christopher Columbus comes and he he kind of uh like asks if it's India. Mm. Uh, and then uh, this is India, no? <laughs> and then, then they say no. <laughs> so it's like then he says, "Who cares? You are Indian." And <laughs> then they say that in four hundred years, when they're in love in pasta so much, they won't even give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: good. So you, but why did you think you had to do impressions? Because it was oh, no, because it was bad role models. Oh, bad role like, models. Okay. Role
2: models like every bad role. Like bad, first yeah. was Macho Man Randy Savage because he's like uh, the human embodiment of cocaine. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then money. the alcoholic stone cold Steve Austin and the queen is bad role model for any brown person. Right. <laughs> uh, same with Winston Churchill who uh, orchestrated the Bengal famine during World War 2 which killed uh, roughly 5 to 6 million Indians or something in that wow. famine. Yeah, you see Hitler as the enemy but you don't see Winston Churchill as someone who orchestrated the the famine as a bad guy. Them both as enemies. Yeah. Exactly because uh the way we fed the allied troops in the world war was actually redirecting food and crops from india mm. and other british colonies towards the war effort which so, caused famine yeah which caused famine and okay. and uh, yeah okay. so uh, nobody laughed and everyone is like kind of right. like uh, what is happening and stuff okay, and okay. the 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 christopher columbus impression was so bad i said that um, for those who couldn't guess Columbus, I will accept Colonial Mario.
0: Colonial Mario, is good. That's good. <laughs> it
2: did sound like Mario, to be honest.
0: Oh, that's funny. Okay, so
1: but the the lab, because Luca, you did it once too. Like yeah, your thing was like mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. you just have to like say the word.
0: So you have to make one joke, uh, yeah. in the context of that tag, and then there's a bell that you have to hit and to tell the audience that this is the joke. And then, if there, I think they call three people up, and then you kind of go up and they refer, yeah. refresh them the joke. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I would say that, like, maybe there's, I think that set, which went really poorly or like not ex- as poorly, it was an experimental set. Of course. Something good came out of it because I thought that, oh, wow, if I can cut promos, maybe I can get like other comedians also to cut promos. Exactly. And uh, I can may build a universe which is around the show on social media mm-hmm. so that the show is also alive apart from just the live you yeah, know experience exactly.
0: yeah just like how ww and like ufc people watch them for the characters like yes yeah. you, you care what happens but also you're following your favorite person so like yes i think that's the, that the idea behind that is like great like mm-hmm. honestly, such a great idea So, so Luke, who's your favorite wwe wrestler I don't. I don't really know anyone, to be honest. I know. After the
1: past three weeks of me bombarding your, yeah, Instagram. I like
0: that. So Michelle sent me a video about it was the, the most mind blowing thing. The guy they're fighting for the custody of a child. You, guys, you, don't have, <laughs> you, don't, you yeah, know. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero
1: and Rey Mysterio.
0: Crazy! I re, then I watched the whole video. I mean, this. See, like,
1: I told you. I, like we, like Sushil was saying, the attitude era, like is like '97 to
2: like 2006.
0: Okay, so like, May, May it's 6th. not like. Yeah, yeah so
2: listen, WWE, WWE had a gay wedding before uh, it was legal in America.
0: No way! Yeah. Oh, good progressive WWE, we love it. And th- there yeah, was I know, but where... like
2: it was progressive, but there was like some conservative, it was like all kayfabe. So there was a conservative wrestler oh, okay. who kind of came, came up on stage and he said, It's supposed to be Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Awesome, the
0: whole thing,
2: dude. yeah. Okay, so... and then the wedding didn't happen because the, the minister was actually. Someone who was wearing a mask, and he just kind of took off his mask, and he started hitting the wrestlers. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> I can't see. That's why, like, I, I, you know what, Michelle, if you find this video send it to me. I would like to see. I,
2: I,
1: I'm i actually not sure which who this wrestler was. I remember there's a wedding. Chuck uh, is... Billy
2: and Chuck. It was uh, Billy Gunn and then Chuck Palumbo.
1: Okay. They had like that, a that's the, the ass man, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah the exactly.
1: See, now Luca's like the ass man. I (laughs) got a
2: It's called Badass Billigan, right? I think his name was Badass something Something like that.
1: But yeah, Luca has a secret hate for the WWE. No, not a hate. Not a hate.
0: (laughs) Not a hate. It's just, I'm getting, I'm starting to like it now with Michelle.
1: Listen, the UFC bought it. You got to like it now. It's part of the UFC. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're they're together now. So that's a, I might have to watch it. You know what? After this, I'm going to go watch clips until 3 a.m.
2: 100%. No, it's, it's so fun. It's like, it's like, I'll tell you who is like the WWE's target audience. Anyone who, watch, who watches Maury and needs, needs some action in their life, that's like the target that's audience. Good. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. That, makes sense. That, that is a very good comparison.
0: That makes sense.
1: Because I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was sick, when I was like 12 years old, the only thing on TV on like a Tuesday like morning was Maury Povich or Jerry Springer for some reason. Or <laughs> the what, judge shows.
0: How good were yeah, they? Yeah. Like, I'm
1: like, who are they targeting? I'm like watching like a like a woman who slept with like two hundred men, like <laughs> trying to figure out who the father is, and I'm I don't understand what's going on because I'm twelve.
0: You have like a fever. You say don't. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just, <laughs> confused. I
1: was having my own personal like, I know ayahuasca experience through the TV.
0: Guys, we before we go too on um, too long of a of a Mori Povich tangent, I think we're just about time now. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh. Your so time.
0: Yeah, I, I want to thank you. Do thank you so much for coming on. It was great. For sure? share the story with us
2: yeah that was so much fun and uh, i would love to have you back on and the thing is that i'm not going to stop with one show a week yeah so if you folks feel motivated to start something of your own or something or if you have some ideas for sure it's always like um start like a different theme show it doesn't have to be comedy it could be like a a talk show uh you know and just like put a chair and table and then like maybe you know uh do that we could even live there's a bunch of things that we could do yeah and for sure yeah I think,
0: I think it's a good idea like even to we could ideate a bit think about it there's even a place in montreal where me and michelle have spoken about it they have like a studio like a podcast studio mm-hmm. so it'll be cool to like i don't know if we want if we think of like a, a something to do there and thought like, it. Live no, i thought it.
2: about that it's, but it was like 250 dollars to rent the room
0: oh never mind then
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is why I cre- i'm creating my own studio i have to yeah, like exactly. kind of hang up stuff on the wall
0: exactly exactly yeah but thanks so much uh, sushil so yeah, thanks 100%. sushil
2: i love being on and thank you for considering yeah
0: of course thank you so we'll see you uh may 2nd then yes, 100% sir. awesome have a good sushil. one sushil take, take care, care sushil.
1: you too bye, Bye-bye. bye
0: so michelle before we go um that was really fun that was really yeah. cool It's
1: inspiring story yeah man it was
0: what a story honestly
1: yeah you never know like it's like funny how like you could see like the happiest people but you
0: didn't know they went
1: through like the craziest shit too
0: that's exactly right honestly wow what a story i feel like i just watched a netflix movie honestly
1: yeah everyone's gonna be like I was expecting to hear about two girls, one cup this week. It's been like five weeks. And then
0: <laughs> we finally had like an inspiring, good, well, not good story, but like heartfelt story of like yeah. uh, recovery, which is great, uh, great motivation. Yeah. But yeah, any, uh, any parting words? What, 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 parting what are your thoughts, Paul, words.
1: And I'm going to prepare some parting words for the following. I know I keep, putting, I keep
0: putting you on the spot. So I, I
1: should know by week 12 that you're going to ask me this at I, the end of the week.
0: I know, I know. I'm, and I'm not going to stop. I'll be honest. <laughs> with you. I'm not going to stop.
1: And I'm not going to stop with the inappropriate jokes that make you uncomfortable. My
0: man, Michelle, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Oh, Tell me. do you know how long it takes a tampon to degrade? It's going to be some stupid, some stupid thing that I'm going to
1: have to cut out. 450 years. All right, see you guys was next that, week. Was that a joke? No,
0: that's for real. Why? Okay, on that note, Michelle, it's been a pleasure. Have yourself a wonderful see week. See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.